0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: What say you, Richard Ellen Murdoch, are you guilty or not guilty of the felonies wherein you stand in doubt? Not guilty. How shall you be tried? By God and my country. The
2: exact time when Paul and Maggie Murdoch were murdered. At the end of the investigation, it was obvious
3: I'm not here to work with them, okay?
1: And the whole point is to have this not fall in the long hands. This case is unique, it's unprecedented in South Carolina
3: history. My son was in a boat wreck a few months back. He's been getting threats.
0: Welcome to Unsolved South Carolina, the Murdoch Murders, Money, and Mystery. This is a daily recap, and we are here with our exclusive legal analyst, Charlie Condon, South Carolina's former Attorney General. Our executive producer, Drew Tripp, is here, as is uh, manning the boards back there, is Max Harrison, our chief photographer. And uh, he is also going to be um, keeping an eye on your questions, so if you have any questions for us tonight, we're streaming on several fronts, so we certainly want to try and get to it if we can. A lot happened today, and I want to start with some breaking news. Um, We have heard from sources close to the defense that um, Alec Murdoch, the defendant, is considering taking the stand Mm -hmm. um this is just a consideration this is certainly not something set in stone nothing i've learned in this case is set in stone until until they're actually up on the witness stand i'm not going to believe
3: anything yeah but what
0: what do you think are the chances it could be
3: a trial balloon much like the balloons we're seeing over america right right now we'll see if they stay up or get shot down we'll see
0: yeah And, and do you think it's as far as i mean i've heard strong FEELINGS ABOUT THIS FROM DIFFERENT, YOU KNOW, ATTORNEYS OUT THERE TALKING ABOUT IT. WHAT DO YOU THINK? DO YOU I'd, THINK THAT'S uh, A GOOD IDEA I'd, TO DO would, THAT?
3: WELL, I'D BE REALLY SURPRISED IF HE TESTIFIES. HAVING SAID THAT, THOUGH, HE DOES SEEM TO HAVE A REALLY STRONG PERSONALITY, THIS DEFENDANT, AND HE MAY HIMSELF BE, HE'S, he's AN ACCOMPLISHED TRIAL ATTORNEY. Mm-hmm. HE MAY FEEL LIKE IT'S HIS BEST WAY FORWARD FOR HIM TO TESTIFY. SO IN A WAY, it, IT MAY NOT SURPRISE ME, BUT JUST GENERALLY SPEAKING, LOOKING AT THE EVIDENCE, I WOULD THINK THE PROSECUTION COULD do a lot with cross-examination here
0: wow yeah there's a lot of things with that timeline i'm sure they'd love to ask alec murdoch about drew what do you think
1: i can't it's not apples to apples Mm -hmm. but i can only share the anecdote that's coming to mind for me which is the russell lafitte federal bank fraud Mm -hmm. case several months back, back Mm. in November, which is tangential, uh, maybe not even so much tangential as Mm. directly tied to what we're dealing with here with Alec Murdoch. That case, very much not like this one, because it wasn't circumstantial evidence. It was very, very much direct evidence and strong direct evidence to the point many of us covering the trial were asking at points leading up to when it became clear that Lafitte was going to take the stand is like why didn't he take a plea deal what what is going on here this is this is so lopsided mm-hmm. i can't stress to you enough if you were not there if you weren't watching it and nobody was watching it except for the journalists there because there was not a live feed for the mm-hmm. lafitte trial if you weren't there you cannot appreciate how strong a witness for himself russell lafitte was mm-hmm. now
0: interesting
1: was he being 100 percent truthful that's debatable, and I don't think the mountain of evidence against him could be overcome when it came time for the jury to make their decision. But for the first little while, when he first got up there and started telling his side of the story, he was very, very, very believable. So-
0: It could, it, it could the, work it, out too. Could a similar strategy yeah. well, work What happened to Russell Lafitte in the end?
1: He, yeah, he was, found, he was found guilty. Right, But so. for a fleeting moment, People he he put, interjected that doubt that's so critical. Okay. Uh, and you also can't discount the fact that there was some serious hangups with that jury for Lafitte mm-hmm. late into the night. Mm-hmm. Eventually they did, that's but it right. took some it took mm-hmm. some doing.
0: And that's all they want is to raise that reasonable doubt, right? Bonjour. Well, let's go back to these videos. Okay, so at the very beginning of this, if you're on our um, video stream, you can see it, but we'll describe it to you a little bit. We, we received the redacted versions mm-hmm. of the body camera video from um, officers, first responding officers to the murder scene, as well as sled agents who went in uh, the following day to do mm-hmm. some investigation and discovery work. Um, now, these body camera videos, the one that we played at the very top of this show, was to to give you an idea. You hear Alec Murdoch's voice, on, and, and literally this is who... Um, the first responder uh, for the Coltskin County Sheriff's Office, Daniel Green, is getting out of his car. He literally walks up. He is not one minute into his body camera video on the ground at this murder scene. And Alec Murdoch launches into um, uh, basically where, how, why he thinks these killings occurred, right. which, was, um, which was a moment. And that is something that is, you know, we're now able to actually kind of put the visual and the audio mm-hmm. together. The other thing we got to see is um, the actual crime scene. You feel like you're walking through this crime scene. I said this tonight in our story. You feel like you're walking through this crime scene with the officers and it's it's an eerie feeling, Mm -hmm. it's dark. You can feel how they're assessing the danger near them. Who's here? What are they doing here? And then this defendant who is talking to them Mm -hmm. quite a bit and then we're able to see a bit more. But as far as this, being able to look at this redacted crime scene, Mm -hmm. how, how effective is it to be able to now use these body camera videos for, I mean, I can see how the state and the defense, I'll be honest, could use this Oh, well, that's a good point.
3: We're in a new world now with uh, just courts in general, all these officers throughout the country, and certainly mm-hmm. here in South Carolina, they have these body-worn cameras that record Everything. all sorts of information. Yeah. And it did seem to be helpful in terms of painting the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, both good and bad, possibly for the state, because I do state. I mean, the defense did make some good points relative to crime scene preservation, but it set the scene very nicely, I think, for these jurors to get a flavor. I don't. Earlier, the defense talked about a crime scene visit. I'm not so sure the judge would allow it at this point. What do you think? Because we have so much information. About you know, that. as
0: soon as I saw the crime scene video, that's exactly what I was mm-hmm. thinking about too. I was like, "Why are we going to the crime scene? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to be dark when they go to the crime mm-hmm. scene, so you can't really." revisit what it felt like that night unless they do it at nighttime i guess mm-hmm. i guess they could do that but i could see them saying no let's just move forward with all of this body camera video we have mm-hmm. but but what do you think drew
1: am um, i don't know I, i'm not sure that we also got to remember right that this they've seen this body camera video now two weeks ago um
0: Oh, that's a really good point, Drew. I'm sorry I didn't say that earlier. The jury saw this the first day of testimony um, with Daniel Green, right. and they didn't see the redacted versions. They yeah. saw what it looked like when they saw the body. So it's much more shocking yes. than what we're seeing. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. But go ahead, Drew. Sorry.
1: I I just for the shock value of. And Charlie, you can you can speak to this and what you're trying to accomplish in a trial. And I know that's a that's a fine line you're walking there, with you're trying to impress upon a jury the sheer horror of and just brutality of what they're seeing for the effect of convincing them of the seriousness, right, of what they're, what they're oh, dealing yeah.
3: with. Wait. And I don't know if we want to jump to this or not, but the autopsy photos shown to these jurors today, mission accomplished on that. We can talk about that later. Well, but that we was, can
0: talk about it now because well, it does kind of segue to that, and we can well, go yeah, back say, to a couple uh, things.
3: I think what happened this afternoon here in Walterboro, it's, it's, in my experience, becoming a rarity in South Carolina because typically in a murder prosecution, Yes, they have all sorts of photos of the gruesome crime scene and photos of the autopsy. And typically, I don't, I don't know what the redacted saw. I think, I mean, the unredacted body cam, I, th- I think I may have saw a glimpse of that accidentally, but it wasn't, it wasn't as You saw as it when gruesome. they were
0: playing it for the jury? And I
3: think I may have caught a glimpse of that. And I must say, the glimpse I caught also in my... Trying to violate any court orders. I'm just sitting there and these things may flash exactly. in my one's eye. So yeah, just we just know, couldn't help ourselves yeah, at times. So, so yeah, so, but up. the autopsy photos, let me paint the scene here I don't know a little bit about this because I had a capital case reversed called State versus Middleton because yours truly put in some some gruesome photographs, particularly one over a defense objection and the judge allowed it that was reversed on appeal. So I had to retry that case. And so the, the standard, if the defense objects to Photographs that are unduly prejudicial, and you can prove your point either by not using them or by using black and white, they're not coming in. Well, what's very unusual in this case, it's clear to me, of course, the state wanted to put them in to show the gruesome nature of of the, the gravity of the crime as well as the cause and manner of death. But and we're very, talking
0: about autopsy, photos, autopsy photos now. Autopsy photos, yeah. So that was another part of the testimony that we heard today was from the pathologist who was sharing Dr. Reimer from the MUSC. And, she, was, and, she was excellent. So telling us exactly right. how Paula Maggie died. She and finished was, her direct she examination. She
3: No, she finished direct examination. be cross-examined tomorrow. But the defense, clearly, they could have kept these photographs out. They did not want to. I'm convinced they didn't want them out because they believe through their focus uh, group that— jurors will have a hard time believing that that the defendant would so gruesomely murder his wife and son and these photographs speak for themselves and so to paint the scene here she you know she had i think she testified she 5500 autopsies highly qualified oh, testified she, in court an expert she was like several a professor hundred times in it. she was mm-hmm. amazing didn't bother her in least of course these mm-hmm. photographs but it was once the, some of the photographs of Paul Murdoch were shown, mm-hmm. I can just tell you that several of the jurors, just really one in particular, but really two, really one, I guess you'd have to say she broke down in tears. Mm. Judge Newman saw that and wisely and appropriately ordered a break. And not to say that the other jurors weren't affected, but they were a bit more stoic in their mm-hmm. uh, appearance. So we had this break and I, you know, and this that, was just
0: Paul, like Paul. they'd only gone through Paul's, but what she mm-hmm. talked about with Paul and the way they had to sort of visualize what happened to Paul, I think was more than some well, of them could bear. I think the bear. exact
3: photograph, not to get graphic on, on this podcast, but the one that I think got the great reaction was, uh, apparently was a photograph of, of his head skull without the brain in it and i understand from the testimony that the brain was uh, delivered separately to the autopsy uh, room so that That's photograph very hard really to hear. yeah and i you know these jurors are here to fulfill their civic duty and i felt really sorry for them and that they had to really suffer through this mm-hmm. we didn't have to suffer we didn't look at it i'm certain that there's some people not sleeping well tonight because of their jury, jury duty and you know god bless them for for being willing to do this and to undergo yeah. what they under, are undergoing and to fulfill their civic duty, and I, I just felt for them. Anyhow, after that break, we had the continuation of it uh, with with like those photographs, and but then we had Maggie and you. Oh, I think by then,
0: nothing I, like a mom. Oh, I mean, and
3: then I, I do know that you know not to single out a particular juror but there was there was how do you handle a stressful situation that way you avert right so there was some aversion of of looking at the information it was described very graphically Mm -hmm. and it was just a very touching moment to have to see really people suffer that were there trying to fulfill their specific duty but point made there's no i have no doubt that these jurors now completely understand just how horrific these murders were, and I'm sure the defense will try and use that uh, to say that they're so horrific. Can you imagine? Why would this, for, for money troubles? Why would Alec Murdoch do this to his son and wife?
0: Yeah, I mean, the it, it was resounding, and it was also um, a show from you know from Alec Murdoch. The defendant was very um, was grieving and crying, and um, really, you know, mm-hmm. there was a lot of emotion right there. Right, and then. Um, also, his family because his family's now been moved to the back row for various reasons that we're still kind of hearing about a little bit. But for whatever reason, Buster and Lynn and John Marvin and Liz, um, his wife, John sure. Marvin's wife, were all in the back I row. I I
3: remember looking back were, and Buster hung his head too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, no,
1: it, it were, was a moment. It they was, were suffering. It was tired. it was it was, uh, it was a, a tough tough afternoon. Just here.
0: hearing about the mom mm-hmm. and the brother. Yep,
1: I made it a point to look at Buster. Um, Yeah, and Alec uh, at different times going through the autopsy testimony, Buster wouldn't look at it, and and God knows who could blame him. Uh, But he sat kind of hunched forward, with his head down, down, looking at the ground. He'd look up if he looked up, he wasn't looking anywhere near the direction of where the witness stand was because you had Creighton Waters and this medical examiner over there giving uh, demonstrative. just they were being demonstrative in their descriptions of what happened. They were getting a dowel rod out and showing bullet trajectories and their pantomime. Yeah, and that
3: was yeah, that was fascinating, wasn't it? Because you could the testimony would be that Paul Murdoch, you had the the initial uh, close range shotgun blast, close range because of stippling, so two to three feet away that that didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. She testified that he she expected him to be standing. And then the second shot where he, and that was basically towards the front and no defensive wounds, arms down, which made, you would argue, I'm sure the state that he knew the person wasn't afraid of him. Then the second shot, uh, the fatal one, which blew his head out, his his brains out, not to be too graphic, that would have been um, uh, also relatively close. I don't think she really got into the sibling because it was such a. A mess, I guess, really. Yes. And then, boom, he falls down, brazens to the face. That was the fatal blow. And then with Maggie, what was fascinating to me, uh, five wounds total, but she couldn't say whether... Mm. Four, it was four, four bullets could, or could five. Be, could be four because one could have gone through her wrist. Mm-hmm. Because she was holding And she went abdomen. through, yeah, just to briefly talk about this, that she went through how uh, the first uh, couple were in the front, and then the the this is fascinating how, how there was one bullet that went upwards in her body, mm-hmm. through her left breast up into her head. How could that happen? Well, she then theorized that she that the uh, that Maggie had to be bent over from pain from the first initial shots with uh, with oh. her body bending over. That's how the shot then went through her breast up into her head, but then the last shot. Was a shot that went through the skull downward. How could that happen? She she testified that it was her best opinion that the, the she was then on on the ground with that shot that would would have been uh, basically the last uh, kill shot. Even though the, the 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 next the last shot would have been fatal as well. So it was very graphic. It was, it was really hard graphic. to listen to,
0: and to hear that. I think the worst part for me was to hear that Maggie suffered and for her family to have to hear that Maggie suffered like that because she was very clear, the pathologist did not hold back.
3: Boy, she was very she.
0: clear that Maggie was in pain, and that was hard for everybody. Compared it
3: to kidney stones, that sort of thing. Yeah,
0: and that just, you know, but this is a murder trial, and I think that's absolutely the levity of, of the situation. I don't think Gravity. the states, yeah, they're not going to hold back. Well, they're right. not going to hold back, right?
3: Right, right. But, not. but what I will say again, just to reiterate this legal point, which I think is important typically, you're not seeing these photographs. I just, <laughs> the defense could have easily kept them out because all of that could have been explained either in black and white photographs, even those might not have been necessary. It could have been done through that cardboard image that she was using. Sure. And it's very clear. And it was a strategic decision on both sides to state one of the men and the defense welcomed them in. And I don't mean in, in a gleeful matter, because everyone was very somber. But that was a very telling strategic decision to me. And we'll see how it plays out effectively on both sides. But it was it was quite the afternoon. Yeah. Well, and it's, it, it, may- it
0: may not be a surprise that that's when I started to get uh, to hear inkling that maybe Alec Marduk
3: would take the stand. Yeah, they might have thrown that out there at the same time, which uh, hey. a little troubling. Right. to
1: to segue into our our next point that we want to talk about backing up to one of our earlier episodes and where uh, something that that i put out there sort of a theory on why to charlie's point the defense is not objecting to some of this stuff and allowing it in one one quick thing before that you i mentioned the double-edged sword or the fine line you're walking the importance of the body camera video that we're now just, just seeing two weeks into it, that's been released. The jury gets to see body language. They get to see how Alec was acting, right? That that's, that's certainly a a major Mm -hmm. portion of it. They get to hear the tone of his voice. They get to read body language. The thing that's invaluable in in human communication, that can't be, can't be understated how, because it says so much without saying a spoken word. That's one point to seeing it. But on the, on the, other side of that into the gruesomeness and and the graphic nature of what we're seeing, point I made a while back. And I think it's still quite clear this is what's happening. The defense isn't objecting because they feel like they're making a solid point of their own in that there's no way he could have gone through all this and been so intimately involved with these just awful, awful murders and come away with not a shred of blood, a drop of blood on him. And that leads us into what we heard today right. regarding the DNA analysis and the blood spatter, or not blood spatter, we did hear about blood spatter, but specifically blood swabs and blood sample analysis. Peters. Yes. So male DNA under her fingernails, not from Paul, not from uh, Alec Murdoch.
2: The foreign DNA to her, yes. They were excluded as contributors. 74?
1: 74. Mm-hmm. And in your test, on uh, none of these, did you detect human blood with hematrix? Is that correct?
2: For all those cuttings for the different items, um, they were all put together into that tube for that item. Um, and for all of those tests, the result
0: was negative.
1: So we're over for seventy-four for detecting human blood here.
0: The result was negative. Mm. That was the defense attorney Phil Barber um, doing a little cross examination. Uh, Well, what do we think? This is DNA that they're trying to, they're they're trying to say that there's blood on the t-shirt. That's what the 74 is all about, right? Yes. So they're trying to say that there were 74 times it was tested, 74 times it was found not to have blood on it. And this goes back to information that was getting somehow leaked out. They even bring it up in the testimony today that we've been hearing about high-velocity blood spatter on a white T-shirt or on a T-shirt that Alec Mardock, the defendant, was wearing. Now we're slowly seeing this trickle in to our testimony, into the trial. It is still totally unclear how the state's going to handle this, in my opinion. Anyone?
3: Well... Great question, but maybe I put a little bit of context here in terms of the morning, because talk about a juxtaposition, right? We had, what was it, three or four hours of very boring DNA testimony? And Mm -hmm. that was
0: the other thing, like just keeping those jurors awake this this morning? Yeah,
3: Monday morning, we thought we'd have Eddie Smith, right? But no, (laughs) it was like, no, the most... And I think what was going on there from the state standpoint is what I call the CSI effect, in that they wanted to show that they did all this DNA gathering, because if they didn't show the jurors this, the defense would say they didn't even do DNA, and so we did have, I don't know, was it four or five hours of DNA with the probabilities? I learned some new words on on how high zeros could get. <laughs> was it 32 <laughs> zeros at the end? 48 was
1: the highest, I feel like I remember hearing, 48
3: zeros. So, and that apparently is the way SLED does it now, and that they don't say it's a match, they say this is the percentage, and so once you get to whatever, 30 zeros, it's a match in my mind. but anyhow the the, the 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 what i got from all that it was pretty boring stuff in terms of it being anything of a gotcha moment other than a little bit on the fingernail in which you have that sound clip absolutely well
0: you want to talk about that
3: well i'm sure the state will say well she testified it can come from all sorts of sources and the defense will say that's who did it right, right. uh but, there but were it, wasn't it wasn't a
0: lot it was like 30 wheels or something yeah and also three alleles,
1: alleles. Three alleles of DNA. Three alleles.
0: Not 30, three. Incom-
1: yeah, it's three. Yeah, which the way it was described was an incomplete. Right. If you can think of DNA like a, a, a links in a chain, um, it was one link of a chain and it was an incomplete chain. Right, right. And it was just a very small sample right. size. But yeah.
0: it was enough to just, again, like maybe make maybe one person there. think, right. why did she have somebody else's DNA underneath her fingernail? right? Right. But so, she said DNA. But it could be nothing. Could be
3: touched in it. Right. And also I will say that the forensic pathologist said there was no forensic I mean there was no defensive wounds on Maggie whatsoever. So mm-hmm. whoever was at a distance. So it wasn't like she was scratching at somebody or anything like that. But anyhow to, to get to your question relative to the blood, I don't have a short answer for that. I'm assuming that'll be tied up at the end as to why there was so much information or uh, evidence uh, gathering on the shirt that Hasn't panned out really, right? Would you say that?
1: Yeah, and the backstory on the shirt for those who aren't totally familiar. It's the white T-shirt, speaking of the body camera footage, um, it's the white T-shirt Alec is seen wearing and has been seen in photos up before now until all the videos got released today. It's the white T-shirt that was tested multiple, multiple times uh, for, we found out today, just how many times tested for blood. It was tested in multiple ways. First, uh, they used something I believe called hematrace um Um, and then the hematrace testing came back negative as they said 74 times for blood and then apparently sled agents after the fact came back behind this forensic analyst who did the testing and found no blood on the shirt and they tested it again with a chemical solution called lcv crystal violet which glows purple basically if it, if it reacts with blood it glows a, a certain violet, like a violet which is in the name and you can mm-hmm. test it for blood however the it, it's in direct conflict it, it, they noted how there's all these things that can contaminate it right the the, the analogy or not the analogy the explanation given is that the hematrace is more precise, but it's not as strong. It is not, it's more precise, but it's not as powerful, whereas the LCV is more powerful, but it's not as precise, meaning that LCV can react with human blood, fish blood. They even made that point about- Bleach. Uh, yeah, it, all sorts of contaminants that could give a false reading for blood with this LCV testing, right. and they doused the shirt in it. Not just the samples that they cut away, they doused the shirt in it. It's it's completely covered in blood, thus rendered. they've they, there can be no further testing on the shirt now right. that they've put it right. on.
3: And I thought Attorney Barber threw it the most logical explanation perhaps is that the shirt was the logo of a fishing boat, right? A fishing mm-hmm. boat. And so could that have been fish blood? Yeah. Oh.
0: It was a
1: perfectly logical explanation.
0: It, well, and, and so the... the what happened before we ever started this trial was the defense was just up in arms about the fact that they weren't able to test this shirt because it had gotten doused with LCV. and they were like, "We are. We want this like thrown out of court. We don't want. We don't want to fight this. We can't mm-hmm. even." look textbook. at it with our own experts which is by law they are right to be able right to mm-hmm. be able to look at you i'm like mm-hmm. if I, I got this right right <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> i'm well, talking that's to the law here yeah
3: not to bore anybody with this but but if it's if, if if the evidence is spoiled by the state right the depending on how critical it is the defense can use it to its advantage i think that'd be a fair a fair statement
0: okay well so and so the the issue now is we've heard a lot about him changing clothes so everybody's wondering, because there was that 74 times they tested it and right. nothing came up on this t-shirt, is this state going to let go of this white t-shirt and just move on to, he changed clothes? And it feels like that's where they're going, no, but, that's right.
3: but we I don't would. know
0: yet. I mean, yeah. they may still say, well, you had it on underneath, or I don't know right. what they're going to say. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's talk about the other issue going on in that courtroom right now that is making everybody a little anxious. And that is that two jurors today had to be dismissed. COVID. Yep. We've got COVID in the courtroom and we've got COVID within some of the court employees. So we're dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And um, we've got two jurors out in a very small area where they've been sitting with everybody. There's been no masks pretty much. Maybe two of them have worn a mask every once in a while. So um, we have, as of now, three alternates to pick from in case anybody else goes down right so if we don't we, we're gonna have to we're just gonna have to cross our fingers yeah. and here and right? i also thought it was
3: interesting of course this is south carolina right so mm-hmm. the court strongly encouraged everyone to wear a mask and I hate to laugh about it because it's not funny people getting COVID, but I didn't see many masks being worn, did you? <laughs> Even though a they ton. were encouraged. Not, not a, a ton. ton. There were few. They were
0: passing out. I got one. Yeah. So I did wear one when, you know, you I got one. And, um, and a couple of the reporters I was sitting with, but it, they kind of ran out of masks right. within.
3: Do you notice how the, you know. The, so we'll have people, to get our own now. Right, yeah. A lot of people started wearing them as the day wore on, they didn't so yeah. i don't know where it's going to end up tomorrow with uh, well
0: and also they said they weren't going to worry about social distancing that was another the court suggestion. wasn't going to order that
3: said that hey people worried about COVID. they can stay at home they can watch it on tv so they're taking the risk and um and not from a legal standpoint well i i didn't get a chance to ask attorney harpoon this but remember last week he moved for a mistrial
0: mm-hmm. oh yes and, and
3: today okay. he was really trying hard to keep the jury intact so there wouldn't be a mistrial so i was fascinated by that change of legal position
1: Because Harpootlian intimated that it cost them a fortune. It was costing them a fortune to do do this case, which Mm I'm... Not at all disagreeing with, Uh, and Charlie, you could probably give more if we had more time. You could give more insight into the expenses that go into defending a case and trying or prosecuting a case. But there was the headline that made the rounds over the weekend about where Harpootlian and the defense camp are staying here in Gallatin County. This Uh, this wedding, are you familiar with the venue? Yeah, I I mean, I've passed by it all my life. I don't think it hasn't always been Mm -hmm. what it is now, but it's 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 a wedding venue essentially Mm or a, a wedding reception venue you can have your wedding there as well but it, it's a uh, five homes i believe in an yeah. event space with just beautiful landscaping right. lot, lots of acreage it's yeah. the kind of a little retreat that you yeah. want to go for your wedding eating yeah. at gracefield is yeah. what it's called
3: i did hear that if you uh, added up the cost of hotel rooms for the defense team that the cost was was in the ballpark comfortable i'm
1: sure i'm sure people tried to charge us five thousand dollars a week for an apartment coming before this trial yeah and i'm not throwing any names out there but <laughs> yeah there
0: were some, there were some opportunities it was getting here. expensive well let's hit let's hit one more thing before we go because um we did get word this morning that they were going to go back in and uh look at some of the data coming off the gps system on Alex's vehicle. Yes. Well, that
3: was interesting um, and that
0: was fascinating so just as we end this Boy, today we just might hit this one more point we had a lot going on today even though it Felt like a Monday. You know, with a slow start, we still we but ended up going. ramping up and get going. going. The OnStar data um, was incomplete, uh, even though they spent a year trying to open the OnStar data and reverse-engineered it in order to get what they got as far as the data points of when he started his car, when it went into park, when it got to his mom's house, all this stuff. So we've already heard all that. Um, now we learn that when GM heard... From the testimony that they couldn't open up this OnStar data, they were like, "Oh, well, hold on, I got the key." (laughs) (laughs) So they come in and they've got this trove of data now, and you know, the defense is like, "Well, when are we supposed to look at all this?" I felt sorry for them.
3: Well, I can, and
0: for the state, I mean, that's a lot.
3: Well, what I thought might have been going on? Can't you just see some executive jam? What do you mean we don't have OnStar data? (laughs) you will find it yeah. and uh, it what do was you clear open our, our no altar? one made an issue about the de- state hiding anything it right. was it was newly discovered evidence i thought her, Attorney her had a a nice quip but oh, he said, was, as much money we gave them, the they should have right been there. able to to come up with it earlier. <laughs> what did
0: he say? <laughs> as
3: much money Jim has gotten, they should have been, a- from the government, they should have been able to come up with it faster or something along those lines. Yeah, it was talking
1: about <laughs> the auto industry bailouts from... So going
0: to get the shares to sell oh, uh, now. <laughs> so
3: where we're left with, though... But, uh prosecutor waters did represent to the court this wouldn't slow him down he thought okay. the information was entirely consistent with their timeline i think the defense takes a different view but he says that he can end his case this not tomorrow but the next day
1: we'll see yeah wow. and i think the reason he said that is, and he was very clear today creighton was that this this data is confirmatory rather mm-hmm. than revelatory right. uh, it's gonna it's more exact more precise data okay. that they're going to be getting from this rather than anything new and groundbreaking so they can give, they can be more confident in what they're saying.
0: Great, well, we've got a lot to look forward to this week. Let's uh, hope everybody stays healthy and well and we can continue on with this trial and um, and we will find out what they have on store for us tomorrow. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you have questions, we didn't really answer any questions today. We had so much information to give out, but please leave us questions so we can get back to you as soon as possible. So for Anne, Charlie, Drew, Max, we'll see you tomorrow night, thank you.
2: That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.
1: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.